0: Hello, and welcome to the Unique CPA. I'm your host, Randy Crabtree. Our goal is to keep you in the forefront of the changing face of public accounting by having conversations with fascinating leaders and bringing you their stories, insight, and advice. This podcast is brought to you by Trimerit, the technical leaders in specialty tech services. Today, I'd like to welcome Stephen Vono as a guest on the show. Stephen is principal and senior vice president of McGowan Pro, formerly known as Naplia. He has focused on accountants' professional liability insurance and risk management for accounting firms since 1996. He is active in several leading accounting associations and presents regularly at annual conferences on risk management topics aimed at lowering the exposure to litigation for accountants and CPA firms. He currently serves as the president of the CPA Firm Management Association Northeast Chapter and is the recipient of the CPA FMA Distinguished Service Presidential Citation for Outstanding Support and Contributions to Members of CPA FMA. Stephen has written articles on practice management for magazines such as a Journal of Accountancy and Accounting Today. He lives in Massachusetts, and anytime you hang around Stephen, you'll know immediately he's a big New England sports fan. I, I think he's got uh, uh, coats or hats or sweatshirts from about every team out there, which at times could be annoying, but they've always... <laughs> teams lately. So so I appreciate uh uh him supporting
1: his team. Steven, welcome to the show. Thank you so much Randy. Greatly appreciate the opportunity to be here. Sorry to annoy you with my Massachusetts New England fandom. Uh <laughs> everywhere I go, I get mixed reviews uh from my hat or my sweatshirt, whether it be the Patriots or the Celtics or the Red Sox. Uh certainly if I'm in New York, they're not they kind of and hiss at me. And when I'm in New Yorktown or Chicagoland, uh, they boo and hiss at me. But you know, my favorite story is I was in Houston one time uh, visiting a client and uh, I had my Patriot sweatshirt on and went into a burrito shop and the three guys behind the counter all cheered and gave me a free burrito just for being there.
0: <laughs> all right. So it pays. It pays. They're all Patriots you're. fans. Nice. Well, so Patriots fan, it, you know, it's hard to watch the Patriots from the outside because they've been so good for so long and being a, a long-suffering Bears fan now for, you know, however many years it has been since we uh, are living in our 85 Bears uh, regime. It's, it's. I appreciate uh, what the Patriots have done, but it makes me very jealous. So I'm hoping to get there. <laughs> get it. Uh,
1: well, we'll be finding out soon uh, enough about Mr. Brady and his future uh, whereabouts, but uh, you know, the Bruins and the Celtics are having an awesome season so far this year. Uh, I think we'll see playoff action from both teams, which is very exciting. Obviously we've got uh, the Patriots in the, uh, in the playoffs, but you know what? I'm already sensing that we've talked too much about <laughs> New England sports, yeah. so I'm going to dumb it down a little bit, and let's talk about what you want to talk about for all of the accountants that are listening out there.
0: Yeah, this is the unique CPA, not the unique Massachusetts sports fan. Uh, so so, so we will move on. Uh, so so in the intro there, we did hear uh, about you and, and what you do in, in dealing with professional liability insurance and risk management for accounting firms. Can you expand a little bit just on the firm, McGowan Pro, and what you do and how you
1: support CPA firms? Sure, and I appreciate the opportunity to do so. So basically, we're insurance brokers. We specialize in professional liability insurance. And I happen to specialize in the accounting industry uh, and have been doing that, as you mentioned, since 1996. That's when I got my start. And so, you know, at the end of the day, as an insurance broker, I make my money by selling insurance policies. However, we aim to be more than just a policy. So, we do the best we can to support accounting firms, both large and small, in lowering their exposure to litigation. We do that by a lot of the risk management services that we provide as a value add, such as we we review engagement letters for our clients. We do different kinds of uh, legal alerts. We have lawyers and risk management CPAs on staff that work with us and are available to our clients. So we field and answer a lot of questions concerning the day-to-day operations of an accounting firm by way of example. Just got an email today about, hey, is our 7216 Consent form okay to use. Is there any recommendation around that or hey, we have a lot of questions about information security and how are we going to be compliant with the state security laws. We talk about that all day long. Sometimes so, I wake up in the middle of the night talking about it. My wife kind of nudges me and says, can you change the topic, please? Yeah, yeah I'm
0: sure. So, you're, you're living insurance all day and all night long, huh? Well, I, so you're being proactive is what you're saying there and, and, and trying to help keep firms and keep individuals from having to use your product by you educating them ahead of time. on, correct. on What they need to do. So, okay, that, that's great. And I know I didn't really mention this, but I've known you for quite a few years now. We originally met in, uh, oh boy, it's probably
1: six, seven years ago in DC at a conference. Yes, Um, we were both at a conference for an accounting uh, association. At the time it was called PKF, I believe. Yep. Yep. And now uh
0: become a lending But yeah, that's where we met. And and at the time, we weren't using, uh, that's being Trimera, we weren't using you for insurance, but I immediately uh, uh, felt a connection with you and felt that you were out there doing uh, what needed to be done in the best interest of the firms. And I think immediately after that conference, you and I talked and we switched our insurance to you. So I appreciate you doing that for the last six or seven years. But the interesting story to me is, and I think people may have heard this on the show before, but I I used to be in public accounting. I was managing partner of a firm in the Chicago suburbs. I recently uh, was going through some boxes of old um, checks in my basement from uh, my Crabtree Anderson days, And in there, I noticed that I had written a check to Naplia back in about 2003. So even though that uh, you and I, uh, I thought we met the last six, seven years, I've been using your service for the last 16, 17 years. So I appreciate that. And I think you probably owe me a beer for all those years that I... uh,
1: I'm sure I owe you more than just one. (laughs) But uh, at the same time, um, I think that your story is very interesting. And I'm going to add a risk management twist to that in that it's wonderful that you found a check that you wrote back in, what was it, 2003? I think so. Yeah, and I tell all my clients to 86 and jettison and destroy all old client files, not only in a client level, but also on a personal level. So you should never have an old check lying around because it just increases your exposure should you lose it or uh, have it stolen, so there.
0: So I'm, there's, obviously, there's your... I'm
1: obviously not a good
0: listener, and I knew <laughs> I knew as soon as I told that story there was going to be a risk management issue to uh to yeah. me having these old checks stored in my basement. But now I've taken care of that; it's no longer the case. <laughs> so let's jump into a, a few topics that I think are going to be important for firms to hear about. And the two I think key areas. That, that we can concentrate on today is uh, first, uh, information risk area uh, management, because that's a key, uh, I think, area of things where they're going these days, everything based on technology and and data and information. And then I, th- I think I'd like to talk about M&A risk management at some point too, just because we, we are at the end of the year here, starting our new year and happy new year to you, Stephen and everybody. Happy new year to you. And so I think those are two key areas I think would be very important to people to hear about. And you could tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, do you want to jump into information risk management a little and kind of educate us on on things to be aware of there and maybe things that people are not thinking about that maybe they should and and just basic things that they should be looking at?
1: Yeah. So really, you know, I, I want to kind of be brief here and, and not kind of pound the proverbial hammer again and again and again. However, depending on what group you hang out with, some people I find are very aware of the need to uh, you know, keep their client information locked up uh, so that they are compliant with state information security laws. I will say this, that a lot of times there are terms that are used So we're talking about information security. A lot of people refer to it as cyber liability. I don't necessarily like the term cyber liability because it usually denotes digital information where, when it comes to accountants keeping their client information locked down, they have rules and regulations through the AICPA, they have rules and regulations through their state board of accountancy, and also the state, each state now, almost I think it's all states have information security laws that they need to abide by. And that is not just digital information, it's written information. And even some states go as far as to to define the client information as verbal. And what they're looking at is a name and a number. So if it's Randy Crabtree and I've got his account number, like that check you were talking about earlier, that's personal client information. If I have just your social security number, that is personal client information. You need to keep it locked down. And generally speaking, you need to be aware of the environment that you're working in and that you need to be compliant with every state that you're doing business in. Sometimes the thought of that can be daunting, Mm -hmm. but most attorneys I speak with will say and agree with me that the state of Massachusetts and the state of California are both the most stringent when it comes to law. And if you are compliant with one of those states, you most likely will be compliant with all the states you're doing work in. So, you know, it's really. In many ways, you need to, it's not just the professional, it's anybody that touches the client information. And the two main reasons why folks lose client information is human error and mobile media. So the phones, the laptops, the tablets, they're not locking them down. In a perfect world, any screen that you look at is secure. You should not have any digital files on your laptop you know so if you are moving in the direction of being online and in in the cloud that's probably a good thing although information is information and risk is risk so if you have your servers and your client files in your office or if you're storing them off-site or if you're in the cloud you still have exposure regardless i'd like to think that the folks that are in the cloud, are one step ahead of us as accountants when it comes to security, because that's their focus. But you know, we still have to think about the way we use email, what we're clicking on, the attachments we're opening, how are we responding to those emails that we're not sure about, that look a little suspicious. You need to think about these things, and it includes your administrative staff in, in addition to the professionals in the firm. And this goes for the small guy as well as the large guy. Yep. So go
0: into what you were saying, because I was going to ask about, you know, with with you able to get everything on your phone, your iPad, um, Mm -hmm. mobile-wise. If somebody sends you a file, now that file resides in different places, at least access to that file. Is that, I mean, do you, do you try to have people not send you files? Okay, do not send me this file. We're going to give you our secure you know, uplink, and you can send this file this way. I mean, how do you protect you know, this file that's now sitting
1: out in multiple areas? That's a fantastic question, and here's the reason why. To your point, it's in many places. So we as professionals, and again, Daunting task, and again, not everybody wants to comply. We have many clients of different ages and different generations, and we all are known for responding differently to technology. Where you know the young Y generation or Z generation or whatever the new letter is for whatever the generation is that's coming up. No idea. I can't keep up with it all. Anything. Right. I mean, we're, we've been picking on the millennials for all these years, but my point is that young people, they grow up with technology, it's second nature. And the, the thing that they need to be aware of is that it's not so second nature that they kind of blow it off. And then there's folks like you and I in the younger boomer uh, spectrum yep. that technology can be a pain in the neck. Oh my God, I have to remember one more password. Oh, my God, I have to do this or I have to do that. And we see it as a real challenge sometimes, but we always have to remember the bottom line, and that is we need to keep our information secure. So to your point, we need to educate our clients. We need to get out ahead of it and say, please don't send us this information because you're putting yourself at risk. Please use, and I'm hoping that accounting firms by now are using portals or yep. secure Uh, information. By the way, real quick story. I got a phone call from one of my clients. Uh, They used a secure email service and with it comes a password that they sent the client in the email. Well, if a hacker is lurking in your email system and you're putting the password in the email, you've just given them the keys to the kingdom. So don't do that. No, that's... don't send don't send passwords via email even I know people. that so <laughs> and yep. wow and it, let me tell you if Randy Crabtree knows that <laughs> exactly anybody can know it
0: exactly we obviously uh, are very cognizant of that type of information uh, I feel that uh, as a firm here we've done a pretty good job at uh, risk management uh, we were always talking about it we're always educating everybody on the firm at it and I'm guessing that's partly from the information we get from you too so we appreciate that so I I think uh, moving on from uh, information risk management, obviously that's important, both uh, just like you said, the information itself, the data and the cyber aspect of that is very important that, that I think everybody uh, understands the fact that that needs to be done. Another area that I don't really have a lot of knowledge on what the potential risks are, but that's what we mentioned before, there's so much MA activity going on right now. And there always has been in accounting, actually for the last, 30 years that I've been in public accounting or 30 plus years, it seems like there has. But I, you know, maybe it's just because I know firms much more today. I'm just seeing so much activity going on and it's the end of the year right now. And so there's some, some things going on there. But I mean, just this week, I got a call from a firm out of Denver yesterday, just gone to tell me that they had just merged in um, with a top 20 CPA firm in the country and just wanted to let me know before, you know, it came out elsewhere. uh, I'm actually interviewing Manji Partner of a top 50 CPA firm next week for the show he just closed on an acquisition or a merger with a firm with them dora mayhew cla sickage citron cooperman uh, clark schaefer hackett all these top 100 cpa firms just announced in the last week or two about mergers they have going on so the activity's out there it's going to continue what kind of risk management area should people be aware of with all this activity
1: i think that the interesting thing about M&A activity, as you mentioned, is the increase in the activity in itself. And consequently, I know that you know you and I bump into a lot of, uh, we bump into each other at a lot of different conferences at different accounting firm associations, state societies, and there's always a speaker for the last five years, there's always been a speaker about M&A activity. So consequently, the conversations are happening a lot more. And I think for the firm itself, one of the things that if a firm is in a, in a a place where they need to think about their succession plan, the sooner, as far as like the risk is around your business is concerned, not necessarily litigation, but just around the business itself and the value of the business, the sooner you think about your succession plan and your exit strategy, the better, because it gives you more opportunity to seek the different options that you might have. But within that, and the risk is different for a buyer and a seller. Yep. and the risk in some ways is different for large firms versus small firms. Certainly we've seen 10 to 20, $25 million firms merge up with the much larger regionals, and we've seen you know, the small single CPA be acquired by the $10 million firm or the $5 million firm, things like that. But the big thing that the people need to understand is the need for the TAIL policy, So if you have professional liability insurance, if you are the seller and your firm is no longer going to be operating in the public eye as we know it, you want to get what's called a tail policy. The buyer wants them to get the tail policy because now they are buying the assets or acquiring the assets and they're not acquiring the exposure. So it delineates the TAIL policy, also known as an extended reporting period uh, on the policy. It delineates that exposure. And then we were talking about client information. There's a lot of issues around client information and the need to be transparent. I believe the AICPA, when the firms are doing due diligence on one another, according to the AICPA or the different state board of accountancy. Uh, rules, you have a certain amount of time to share information without client knowledge. So long as it is M&A due diligence, you want to check with your state board of accountancy around that. But then once those mergers commence or consummate, you have a certain amount of time to get client consent to actually share the information. And I believe most of the time it's 60 days. Different states might be different, 90 days in some. Um, but you want to check on that too. So there's, there's a, a potential exposure when it comes to sharing client information. It's not definitive, but it all depends on how the accounting firms do and provide due diligence for one another. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So 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 if I... I've got a thousand clients that I'm working with and we merge in or we get acquired by another firm. I have an engagement letter with all these clients that, you know, I'm assuming part of the engagement letter somewhere in there says, hey, this is private information. It's staying with me. It's going nowhere else. But now all of a sudden it is somewhere else because now another firm takes over. So you're saying in that standpoint, that's where you have to check with the society, the state rules, the state laws, the, um, the insurance, the tail policy is going to cover <laughs> anything that happened prior and the new company doesn't assume any liability that may have happened prior to the yep. acquisition or merger. Okay. Yep. Correct. So, so I, I guess I get, cause that's where I was going. I, I thought, okay, I, I, as a acquirer now, just acquired this firm, find out two years ago, Uh, One of the employees lost their computer, didn't tell anybody. It had 1,000 Social Security numbers on it. And now those Social Security numbers are being sold on the dark web. That's not a liability that comes to me then as the acquirer of this. That stays with the...
1: You you want to have conversation with your attorneys, with your professional liability insurance broker around proper safeguards. Okay. All right. So, those are the things you need to be aware of. And by the way, the the other question I get a lot is, if I'm a partner in a firm, and once the merger happens, maybe I'm going to go to the new firm as a 1099 and be a uh, consultant, or maybe I'm just going to completely retire. Well, in the event that you completely retire. All the work that you've done for your own firm in the past would be covered on the professional liability tail policy or extended reporting period. But if you were to move on to the acquiring firm as a consultant, all the work that you do as a consultant, 1099, would be covered under their policy moving forward. Okay.
0: All right. I think I think I get I, that question a lot. I think I get, and I think the most important thing is uh, 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 people need to call you and ask these questions, or whoever their provider is. But uh, um, yeah, that's obviously
1: an important. But we area. have some just real quick on our website at McGowan professional.com. We have a bunch of webinars uh, in our on-demand uh, library that might be helpful. One is specifically on the MA issue that's about an hour long. Also, uh, we have a webinar on cyber liability issues and a whole slew of other topics that a lot of your listeners might find uh, helpful or informative. Again, that's at mcgowanprofessional.com and look for the on-demand tab under resources, or they can call me at 508-656-1330, and you can give that number again uh, at the end of your little podcasty thing.
0: <laughs> podcasty thing. Well, that's that's what we're going to call it from now on when we do the introduction. Welcome to the ladies podcast-y and gentlemen, thing.
1: <laughs> Randy Crabtree's Podcasty thing. There you go. Uh,
0: um, got a few minutes left. Uh, one thing I wanted, to, since we are at the new year here, maybe a, a minute or two. If there is anything, were there any trends you saw in, in 2019 that maybe were I don't know unexpected, but maybe changed a little, or do you see anything? happening going forward in 2020 that may be a little different than in the past? Uh, Just kind of do a look back. So
1: certainly the big issue last tax season for 2018 was how is the new tax laws going to affect everybody? And so it left some, in some ways, it left some uncertainty with the tax profession. I think that 2019, there's little less uncertainty because the laws have kind of been solidified and the way that people need to respond to those laws have been a little solidified. So there's still an element of uncertainty, but not as much, if that's helpful at all. My point being is that you need to really be, if you're an accountant who's doing tax services, you need to really be on top of those things. AICPA and your state board of accountancy has a lot of uh, resources around that, around the tax laws, and you would wanna look into that. A Couple of other things that I think are still gonna be big issues around foreign accounts, if you're a tax guy, if somebody is from another country, or speaks with an accent, that's a tip that you need to ask the question, do you have accounts in foreign countries, because any of the programs uh, that alleviate the risk around that are over. And so you need to really be aware of whether your client has uh, foreign accounts or not. They need to be reported. You also need to ask if you are a tax professional. Or there may be other areas, but if people are using Bitcoin or cyber coinage, or currency, cyber currency, you need to know that because I think there's some issues around that that could potentially affect how you provide the service for your client. Yeah, I think we could probably do a, a an hour webinar, if I mean webinar, a podcasty
0: thing on both those areas, uh, the foreign bank account reporting, the foreign account reporting. When I hear about that and the potential liabilities out there when I've been at conferences, it makes me very happy that I'm not in the uh, standard public accounting firm anymore because it just seems like there's so much complication around that. I'm gonna start to wrap it up here. I I wanna ask you one last question. We already found out a fun fact about you and I appreciate the time and everything you put into uh, explaining these uh, risk areas and it, there's so much more there than we could touch on today. And so I know that the people can get hold of you and, and we told those two spots uh, already, the website and the phone number. Uh, any other places that they should be looking for you, uh,
1: social media wise, LinkedIn, anything like that? Yeah, we do some stuff on LinkedIn. People can go to my website that I've already mentioned, mcgowanprofessional.com, sign up for our newsletter on risk alerts, uh, and they would get a monthly email from us describing the hot issues, some of which we discussed today. They're always changing. And I will say this one thing I've learned in this ongoing risk management climate is that risk definitely births opportunity. So where you might say something like you're glad you're not operating in this particular environment anymore, the young bucks coming up uh, certainly have a lot of opportunity that is created by these very issues. And it's interesting to look at that and see what those opportunities might actually be. Oh yeah, they're out there. All
0: right, we did get the one fun fact from you that you're a huge New England sports fan. Uh, One other fun fact that I do know about you is that you have a huge vinyl collection.
1: Uh, What's that all about? A vinyl collection, yes. I collect vinyl records. Uh Um, Started when I was nine years old. Uh for my birthday I was given four records and that started my love of music as well as a diversified love of music because and you may remember some of these records because we're of the same age. I got the album uh Let It Be by the Beatles. Oh yeah. I got the greatest hits by uh the fifth dimension. I got Tom Jones Live in Las Vegas and the greatest hits of the mamas and papas. So four very different albums. Oh yeah. But uh Began my love. So I've got about 2,000 records um, that I'm actually in the process of cataloging right now in an app called Discogs. But I was a DJ for a while in the 80s. I had an overnight punk show. Yeah, wow. I had an overnight punk show in the 80s called Positive Noise. And uh, yeah, I've just kind of continued to collect vinyl over the years. It's been fun. Well, I'm glad that I can have an eclectic guest like you on the
0: show. I, an eclectic collector, I guess, guest like you on the show. I, I appreciate you being here. We could do this again, I'm thinking, someday, because there's probably a lot more we can go over. But I'm going to sign off for now. Uh, thanks again, Stephen, for being part of it. Thank and, you. And thank, thank you for me. having me. All right. Well, thank everybody for joining us today. You can find all the links and show notes for today's episode, as well as more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and join us for our next episode, where we'll be going beyond compliance, forging new pathways of delivering value to your clients, diversifying your revenue streams, and discussing leading edge management styles and techniques.